Sometimes it's hard to find the words to talk about the things that really matter. Sometimes there are conversations that we want to be able to have, and it's hard to find the right environment, the right ways to communicate. And that's what we're talking about today is how to have those conversations, those talks that that we really want to have, but we don't know how to do it. And so to set this topic up, uh, I want to tell you about a book that was written in 1975 by a guy named Jack Kent. It's a kid's book that is one of my wife's very favorite children's books. It's called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. Has anybody read this book before? Yeah, some of you. This book follows the story of a little boy named Billy who wakes up one morning to find a little dragon in his room. It's like the size of a, of a kitten, just got a cute little tail, and he pets the dragon, runs out of his room, tells his mom, Mom, there's a dragon in my room. And his mom says, Now, Billy, you know there's no such thing as a dragon. So he goes back to his room, puts on his shoes, and the dragon comes next to him, but he doesn't pet the dragon because if there's no such thing as something, it would be ridiculous to pet it. And the dragon grows about the size of a dog. The dragon follows Billy to the breakfast table. They sit down for breakfast and the dragon jumps up onto the table, eats everybody's pancakes, drinks everybody's orange juice. But, but Billy's mom can't do anything about it because if there's no such thing as a dragon, then you can't tell the dragon to get off the table. And the dragon grows to the size of a person. Billy turns to his mom and said, I had no idea that dragons can grow so fast. And Billy's mom says, Billy, there's no such thing as dragons. The next thing you know, the dragon's the size of a person. Then it's the size of the house. Eventually gets to the point where the family can't walk in the house without bumping into the dragon. They can't see each other around the dragon. And eventually, Billy's dad looks at Billy and says, what happened here? And Billy said, well, it all started with this dragon. And mom says, there's no such thing. And then Billy cuts her off and says, mom, I'm sorry. There are dragons. There's a dragon right here. It's a really big dragon. And he pets the dragon on the head and the dragon shrinks. And mom says, you're right. There is a dragon. Pets the dragon on the head and the dragon shrinks. Uh, Quicker than the dragon grew, the dragon shrinks back down to the size of a kitten. And the book closes by the family saying, well, I guess there are dragons, but I really don't mind dragons this size. So right now, we're in a family series called One Big Happy, and I know that there are all kinds of families represented in our church. We've got traditional families, blended families, uh, non-traditional families. We've got people for whom friends our family. But this is something that I think applies to every family. I think every family has the potential to have dragon issues come up. This is what I mean. Have you ever noticed that sometimes there are issues in our family that, that might be big, might be small, but, but we can talk about them. We, we, we know how to have the right conversation. And when we talk about those issues, the issue kind of shrinks and it goes away, no big deal. But there are some issues that, small or big, are a little bit more complicated, They're a little bit more difficult. For whatever reason, we don't know how to have this conversation. Maybe we're afraid of it, or maybe we're just a little bit embarrassed. And it's easier for us to ignore the issue than it is for us to talk about the issue. And when we ignore it, sometimes that issue can grow a tail, just like Billy's dragon. And the more we pretend that it's not happening, the bigger the issue can grow. I think it's common for us to have these issues in our family where we don't know what to do. We don't know how to address it and it's easier for us to ignore it. And the more we ignore it, the more they grow and we feel the issue at the dinner table 
We can see the issue in the text message and in the glance. We hear the issue in the conversation. It can start small but get huge. Some of these dragon issues can be things that are very practical. It can be like a financial situation where the money coming into the house isn't enough to support the things that, 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 that are, are our lifestyle, isn't enough to support the school and the baseball and all the other stuff. And, and there's this undercurrent of stress and it actually puts distance in the family. Uh, some practical issues could be uh, health uh, the big issue could be something around uh, dad's health or a job that's not going well that might lead to a move or that thing from the past. It's, it's hard. It's complicated. It's messy. We don't know how to approach it. Maybe we're afraid of it. Maybe we even feel a little bit of shame. It grows a tail and turns into a dragon. Sometimes the issues are more relational where dad doesn't trust mom anymore. Or there's a dating relationship that, that doesn't seem right. Or kids worrying that mom and dad are going to get a divorce. Or mom and dad looking at a kid's marriage and saying, this is broken. This is not heading in the right direction. Or we see the boyfriend who hurts with the words. It's hard. It's complicated. It's messy. We don't know how to talk about it. We get afraid of it. We feel shame. It could be her anxiety. Or his depression. Or the cutting or the addiction, or the attack. Hard, messy, complicated. We have this fear. We have this shame. In fact, the defining characteristic of issues like this are fear and shame. When we have a fear of talking about it, when we think about it and we feel shame, we avoid it and it grows and it gets in the way of our relationships. Can I ask you today, have you ever named the dragons in your family? Have you ever put a name to those big issues that threaten the closeness of your family? That question might step on some toes because you're like, why in the world would we want to name the issues? Let's just, let's just ignore it. Let's just pretend that it's not here because that seems safer. What's universal is I think we all know that these, these dragon issues carry a cost with them. There is a cost to naming this issue because odds are your family rules are we don't talk about this thing. We don't talk about this issue. So for you to name the issue means you got to break the family rules, which could mean that there's some family conflict. It could mean that it gets worse before it gets better. It could mean that there's distance for a season. I know somebody who named one of these issues in their families and and for a season, it, it kind of blew the family up. It took a while before the family found a new normal again. But just like there's a cost of naming it, there's also a cost to ignoring it. Uh, there's this principle that I think uh, we see all around us, including in scripture, that hiding is the enemy of intimacy. When we hide from God, it's the enemy of intimacy with God. When you hide from your spouse, it's the enemy of intimacy with your spouse. When you hide in your family, it is the enemy of intimacy. Surface, superficial relationships will leave us feeling alone and disconnected. And my friends, you are not created to be alone and disconnected. You were created for connection. Whenever we let these dragon issues grow in our family, whenever we hide and we isolate, we destroy intimacy. I know people who've named these issues and it literally saved lives. It literally saved the family. 
The truth is that however your family looks, God has an intention for your family. God says, look at the model of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and see the closeness, the connection, the fellowship in the Trinity. That's what God wants for your family. That's the connection that he wants for you. The Apostle John and the letter of 1 John writes to us and shares with us what happens when we let these issues hide in the dark. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light, if we pull every area of our life into the light of God, just like Jesus is in the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship with one another. John is saying, do you want deep fellowship? Do you want connection? Do you want closeness? Do you want intimacy? Do you want your family to have that deep together? Then you need to know that hiding things in the dark is the enemy of intimacy. It's not the way of God. It's not what he desires for your family. When we follow Jesus, we don't get to keep things hidden in the dark anymore, do we? Because where the light of Jesus shines, there is fellowship. Where the light of Jesus shines, there is connection. Jesus invites us to bring every area of our life into his light, into the place where his ways rule. Jesus says, where I shine my light, I bring fellowship with God and with your family. And there's no area of our life where the ways of Jesus don't apply including with the family dragons. Hiding things in the dark blocks the pathway for deep fellowship. But bringing the light of God to every area of our life opens up the path for connection. So I'll ask you again, have you ever named the dragon issues in your family before? Maybe you're unaware of what the issues are. Look, where do you feel fear? Where do you feel shame when you think about talking at that? It might be a small issue, but rest assured, it will grow. Today, I want to invite you to name the dragons. And just like John challenges us to walk in the light as he is in the light, I want to invite all of us to take those issues and say, God, would you shine your light on this so that we might have fellowship with God and with each other? So to dive into this topic more, I'd like to invite some friends up to the stage right now. And we're going to have a great conversation about this. Would you please give a warm welcome to my friends this morning? So as they're making their way up, I've got another parent with me and three therapists, actually, for us to talk about this. So thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Let me introduce everybody to you. So first of all, to my left, I've got Casey Sunstead. Casey, welcome. Glad that you're here. Hi, thanks. Me too. How long have you been a part of Willow? It's been over 30 years. 30 years. So Casey is on staff. Uh, Casey's been married for 20 years. You've got two kids that are in middle school. And Casey hosts our Relate podcast uh, that you can check out on the app. It's really cool. And we're glad that you're here. Thanks. Me too. And then we've got Eric Connor as well. Eric runs Recover Restore Counseling, specializing in addiction and trauma. Um, yeah, I said that right. Yes, I did. Great. I was looking yeah. at my notes and I thought I was wrong. Nope, that's it. Yeah. How long have you been a part of Willow? Uh, well, I, you know, I probably went to my first service here probably 25 years ago, but wow. we've been active members uh, for the past 10 years. Great. Glad that you're here. Yeah. 
And then this is Lisa Lackey. Lisa and her husband uh, founded a counseling practice called Inside Out Living. Uh, She's passionate about working with women. And how long have you been married? 30 years. 30 years, three kids, and? One grandbaby. Oh, there we go. (laughs) We're glad that you're here. And then finally, we've got Amanda Berge. Amanda works at Vitality Counseling. She's passionate about teens and adults dealing with depression and anxiety. And uh, you work in Impact as well. Are you a small group leader? Yep, I'm a small group leader. I've been leading with Impact for the past five and a half years. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're so glad that you guys are here today as we tackle this topic of those big, deep issues in our family. And to kind of start us off, uh, I think it's normal for us to just assume that counselors have all their stuff together, right? That you guys would never have big issues like this that you dealt with growing up, or maybe big issues like this that you even deal with now. Can you tell us about maybe some of the issues that you dealt with growing up or in your life today? Sure. So when I was I guess it was probably beginning when I was about seven um, through the end of middle school, I was bullied. And that had a really profound impact on my self-esteem, on um, who I believed that I, that I was. I carried a lot of shame. And as that got better, well, initially, I guess I, you know, I would cry about it. I would be upset. And then I started kind of just watching TV and sort of trying to not think about it. But when in high school, when things got better... Um, you know, I just wanted to put all of that behind me and never think about it and try to prove to people that I was um, not the things that, you know, those people would have said about me. So I I, I hid it for a long time and that wreaked havoc on my life in a lot of ways. Boy, that hiding. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that too, that hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, for me, I think... You said it great, Matt. A lot of us therapists, we really came into this after we did a lot of our own therapy first. And so for me, uh, my story is when I was dating my now wife 15 years ago, she was doing some uh, really significant therapy herself and had a great therapist. And I was just really seeing the changes in her and everything she knew. Um, And she invited me to come in one day for a session because we were starting to date kind of seriously. And we laugh about it now because I was like, well... That's a nice date right there. Yeah. Come to me for therapy. Yeah, really romantic. Um, And I said, well, you know, to support you, but I don't know what I'll get out of this. Sure enough, there was plenty to get for me. And that really started my journey with really years of therapy work and groups, individual and other experiences. And then through that, decided uh, there's a little bit of a call to give back this way. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Lisa, what about you? Well, in my childhood, which I didn't realize until later, is uh, I suffered with depression and um, third generation. But because it was never talked about it, I didn't know, you know, what that was. Um, Even having lost uh, a father and a grandfather to that. And so when I became an adult... I knew what I didn't want, and I knew what I didn't know. And so I, I sought therapy, and it, it became something that I was very open about with my children. Um, and some years later, one of my children was able to say, I think this is what's going on. Wow. It's so amazing how each of you reflect in your story about how before you started considering these things, you thought, 
that's in my past. Mm-hmm. I don't need to necessarily be affected by that because we can just leave it there. But I think that's one of the ways we avoid having these conversations, yeah. thinking that the past can stay in the past. Don't cry over spilled milk. But the past really does show up in who we are today. Yeah, wow. So we're talking about these big, deep family issues. And uh, there are some that might be a little bit more well-known, but are there issues that maybe families need to be watching out for that, that might start small, but if we're not careful, they could grow and wreak havoc? Is there anything that you think we should keep our eyes open to that you see often in your practice? Well, I think that what is true is that children are really good observers and terrible interpreters. And usually if something's going on, even if they can't see it, they feel it, and they intuitively make it about them. Something is wrong with me, or if I can do this, that, or the other. And so I think if nothing else, it's important to name, for example, if there's tension in the house, even if you're not ready to talk about it or don't feel like you can Oh, that's interesting. I'm curious, Amanda, you working so much with teenagers, what are the common issues that you see that, uh, that the teenagers can struggle with, that teenagers need to be looking at? Well, I see a lot of depression and anxiety, um, especially in this area. You know, there's a lot of, perf- there's a lot of pressure to perform. Um, parents that are uh, successful and um, high achieving and p- people feel like they have to live up to that. Um, and yeah, so social media also sets people up to have to have it all together. You're looking at everybody else's highlight reel on Instagram and thinking, man, I, I'm not like that person. Um, when in reality, everybody faces challenges, but that's really isolating for people to feel like they have it all together. Everybody else does. Yeah, 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 makes sense, makes sense. So as these issues come up, what happens to our families when we don't talk about this? What happens to our families when we don't name the dragons? Yeah, so I, I'm going to kind of piggyback of what Lisa said here. If we're in a family system and there's these issues or dragons, however you want to frame it, people pick up on it. And it's like we kind of know what, what's out there. And so the risk that we don't address it is, one, they will get bigger and they will become strongholds in the family. Mm. And I think one of the biggest impacts is it really blocks the connection and intimacy of the family. Mm. So it can teach the family system to ignore reality, to discount what their gut is telling them, and, um, and really not experience the fullness of the connection. And taken to an extreme, that can be really tough, particularly for kids, because they might sense that something's blocking them from connecting deeply with their parents or in certain circumstances. And we want them to continue to come to us with all of who they are and not seek out any kind of nurturing outside of the family where it should be in the family. It's so good. Both of you guys have talked about how the kids in our houses pick up on what's happening, whether they can sense that a dad is stressed out or whether they know that the parent's relationship has changed recently, they can sense those things and they don't necessarily know what to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even as an adult, and I think for all of us, there's still times where I can be interacting with someone and I feel like I'm 10 years old again 
because there's something about that experience that's reminding me of the energy I felt growing up in some circumstance. And so those are clues of like things that I can look at in myself. And we remember how that felt. We yep. go right back there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So practically speaking, tell us the good. What can happen when a family actually addresses these issues, actually names them, actually talks about them? How can that affect the family positively? Well, I think it gives them the opportunity to do it together, to go through the challenges they face together. Um, I think as believers, we're called to do life together. We weren't called to be um, in isolation with our issues. Uh, so I think that's a really huge benefit. And also, it's, it just, it's, I guess it's just freeing to have somebody sit next to you and say, yeah, this is real. Um, and just owning that, I think, huh. is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's so important because it sets a model that we can do this. Mm -hmm. Like I talk with people and they say I had a fight with my sister and now I haven't talked with her in three years. Wow. It's so important that in our family we can get through conflict and that we have memories and templates to say we know how to do this. So when we can address things, work it through, and we still love each other, we will come out stronger and then we are confident that we can do this going forward. That's, that's really interesting to think about it that way, that the more often we can have these conversations successfully, mm -hmm. the more successful conversations we're going to have. It's almost like there's a momentum you're describing. Is that, am I hearing that right? Sure. I mean, with anything, we're going to get better with practice. And some of us have the gift of having families where we can practice this a lot. But, um, so, <laughs> but it is true. We do get better at it, and then we can carry that to, kind of other, to other aspects of our life. But, but it, conflict is normal. And to say that we don't have that in a family, when we say, well, we never talk about anything difficult, that's not necessarily good. I'm not, no judgment. But conflict is normal, but it's scary. But we have to teach ourselves that we can get through it and we are still secure in our relationships with each other. So help us practically speaking, mm -hmm. are there some practical ground rules, practical principles that we can hold on to as we're having these tough conversations to, to help them go well? Oftentimes, when I'm working with clients and preparing them for these kinds of discussions, we come up with ground rules for safety. And really, they're kindergarten rules. <laughs> it's, you know, don't raise your voice, have your inside voice. You know, um, look at each other in the eye, make sure that you give each other space, and make sure that you don't say something in a way that is meant to hurt. And also go in knowing that I'm a part of this system too. Mm -hmm. And what is my contribution to whatever it is that is troubling? Oh, interesting. I'm thinking of, um, of the verse in, I think it's Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Yes. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Yes. See if there's any offensive way within me. So you're saying that a principle of going through this is to start off with me, yes. of searching me first. Yes. Huh. And Amanda, I've heard you talk about timeout before. Yeah. Tell me how that works. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of us want to just deal with it all in one sitting and just kind of knock it out. But in reality, when you bring up these issues, it's emotional. It's emotional for you. It's emotional for everybody else in the room. And your emotions impact one another. So that just kind of creates a really intense experience. And that's normal. And that's okay. Um, and it's okay to press pause. To say, hey, you know what? This is, 
this is an important conversation and you're important to me, but right now we're not being our best selves and we need to come back to this conversation when we're in a better state of mind. That actually is such an invitation for me to, if I have any hesitancies about not having the conversation because I feel fearful, Mm-hmm. to think of the fact that I'm allowed to say, hey, let's, let's circle back and come back to this. Because mm-hmm. when I think about when emotions rise, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm not even in the moment, right? right? So how do you guys handle the verse that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger mm-hmm. mixed with press pause? How, how do we handle this? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, carefully. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, the, I think the scripture is, you know, God breathed and very useful for the principles of it. But it is true that sometimes if we are getting really activated, what was Amanda talked about, when we get really almost hysterical, then it's, we're moving out of our kind of logical brain and we're really moving into a fight or flight in our body. And it's really hard to resolve things then. So sometimes we do need to take a time out. And particularly late at night, we don't have as much emotional reserves. We don't have the same energy to stay present and to not get angry. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be wonderful to resolve things before we can go to bed, but I would say maybe it's okay to say we're going to readdress this in the morning, but we're definitely going to readdress it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do so in a safe way, loving, and for the purpose of reconciliation. Yeah, I hear you saying not in a, I'm done with you, I'm done with this no. kind of way, but in a, I need a moment, I need a breath. That's I'm very validating. That's very validating. I, my wife and I have this uh, saying, because uh, surprise, we have conflict too. Uh, <laughs> so whenever my wife and I are in conflict, and if it's after 10 p.m., sometimes we've got this code word to say, I think I'm just experiencing an after 10 o'clock feeling. Mm-hmm. Because after 10 o'clock, it's like our IQs plunge 100 points or something like that. And sometimes we just need a break. And you're saying that that's okay. Mm-hmm. That, that that's healthy. And the key is that I'm not done with you. Mm-hmm. It's just I need, to, I need to rest. I need to pray. I need to let myself be at my best to continue this conversation. Yes. These are hard topics, right? And some of them, it sounds like we can have on our own. But at some point, we might need help. How do we know when we need help? I think that a lot of people know when they need help. One, if they've been circling around the same issue and have not been able to resolve it. I think, two, um, if I am supercharged and I can't see my part in it and I'm feeling very blaming that probably indicates that I need to get some support. And then if you have an addiction, I mean, that's a medical issue. And so you may be able to name it, but in terms of treating it, you definitely need to enlist the support of a professional. Uh, Addiction is a hot word these days. How do we know the difference between a habit that maybe we'd like to change and addiction where we need some help? That's a really good question. Um, a litmus test that I tell my clients, if, if it seems like there's something that we can't let go of or we always do it more than we intend, that coupled with a sense of some remorse or shame about it, that's a clue that your body is creating an addictive relationship with that. So am I doing it more than I intend? And do I feel shame about the fact that I can't control it? Eric, you talked about shame. I think everyone around the table has talked about shame. Can you help us think about 
what exactly shame feels like and looks like inside our heads? Yeah, so um, what we say is guilt can be healthy and corrective. It can lead you to uh, take an action that can be healthy for, the, for where you're at in the relationship. So we say guilt very much will say, I've made a mistake, whereas shame will say, I am a mistake. So shame is a very permanent message about myself as opposed to I'm fundamentally a child of God and I'm lovable and I make mistakes Mm -hmm. as opposed to internalizing it in some corrosive, permanent, deeper way. And so if we're feeling shame, that might be something to pay attention to that we could use some outside perspective. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. So all of you follow Jesus. Um, You want to follow his ways. And I'm curious how Jesus makes a difference when we're having these conversations. How, How do you see that Jesus changes things when it comes to these big issues? I think it gives us hope. Um, you can be looking at the circumstances right in front of you and just not, not feel like it's going to get any better. And to be able to say, in spite of what I see in front of me, I believe that God is good. So, so this is my circumstance right now. Like we're fighting, we're in conflict. I'm anxious all the time. I don't see a way out. We, you know, the person doesn't care about me, whatever the situation is. But at the same time, I know who my God is, mm. and he's good, and he's powerful, and That's we know good. what scripture says about who he is. And when, you, when you're able to see both um, and have that trust in God, I think it gives you the ability to keep moving forward when you, when you just can't see it. Yeah, I think of uh, the verse in Hebrews that says that we have this hope as an anchor, mm-hmm. that anchor for our souls, that we have that hope. Yeah, it might be tough, but that's the anchor. That's good. That's good. Lisa, what about you? For me, it's love and understanding the unconditional love, first of all, that that God has for each of us. And so I think that that also equalizes the the conversation that we're all here by the grace of God. Um, I think the other thing is understanding that there is absolutely nothing that my family is going to experience that I'm not also going to learn from Hmm. if I'm open to it. And so I, even in the midst of that, there's somewhere in me that knows we'll be better for this. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I, I remind myself we do serve an active living God, not a God that's way out there, but a God that's here in the room with us and can get involved so my, you know, when I know there's a conversation I need to have, I really do ask God, I need help. And I'm asking God to set up everyone's hearts, to even set up the possible circumstance, and when it's in the right place at the right time, you know, and soon hopefully. But knowing that God is involved and God deeply cares about relationships. And so I find that when I pray for that, God tends to answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, thank you. Thank you for the way that you invest in individuals and in relationships. And thanks for blessing our church today. Yeah, let's thank these folks. Thank you, guys. So as we kind of move to close our time together today, I just I want to point out the fact that this, this is a brave message. 
This is one of those talks that requires a lot of bravery, that asks for bravery from you. I mean, to be introspective about our life and about our family, to be honest about the issues that make us feel afraid and ashamed, to drag those into the light of Jesus, it just requires a lot of courage. But I want to be very, very clear. Don't forget that overcoming these issues that make us scared and afraid It's not up to us. Overcoming the issues that make us feel ashamed isn't about us. This is not a self-help message because sometimes we just can't help ourselves. This is a message about the redemption of God. This is a message about Jesus. This is a message about the gospel. Here's the gospel. The essence of the gospel is that you and I were sinners. You and I were hiding in the shadows. And remember that verse in 1 John chapter 1, that verse says that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And so there we were hiding in the shadows, unable to experience fellowship with God because God is light and we were hiding and our hiding was the enemy of intimacy with God. And while we were still hiding in the dark, While we were still there, God named what was standing in the way between us and him. He named the sin. And Jesus and his work on the cross shined light on our life. It wasn't up to us to fix the issue. It was up to the work of God to fix the issue. And that's the redemption that God offers to us. It's the way that he makes a way for us as individuals. And now Jesus says, I'm not just asking for one part of your life. I'm inviting every part of your life into the light of God. Jesus says, walk in the light because when you do, you will have connections with others. First John chapter one, verse seven says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Don't miss this. Where the light of Jesus shines, we have redemption. We have salvation for our souls. And where the light of Jesus shines, we experience connection, fellowship, both with God and with others. And where the light of Jesus shines, we have healing from the shame and fear in our life. Because of the light of Jesus, there is hope for these issues. Because of the light of Jesus, we don't have to name these issues by ourselves. We don't have to overcome them by ourselves. He is our healer. He is our hope. And sometimes he uses people around us. He uses friends and pastors and counselors. But don't forget that the healing comes from him. That Jesus is our hope. And so, together, let us walk in the light as he is in the light. Every part of our life, let us walk in the light. And as we do that, may we experience his redemption, the closeness, the healing that the light alone can bring to us. So this is one of those talks where we can just watch it and think that's interesting, or we can apply it to our lives. And so I'd love to just, in the last few minutes of our time today, to invite you to apply this to your life individually. So to do that, can we all enter into an attitude of prayer? Just bow your head, close your eyes. And I wanna give you a couple of questions to pray about in these next few moments. And the first question is, what would it mean 
if you were to name the dragons in your family. Remember, God wants connection. He wants you to experience fellowship in your family and hiding in the dark is the enemy of intimacy. So ask God, is there a is there a dragon? Is there an issue that you want me to see? Would you open up my eyes? Ask God that. And now maybe ask God, is there, is there a next step that you want me to take this week? Is there a next step that you want me to do to shine the light on this issue? Maybe it's to tell someone. Maybe it's to write it down and pray about it every day. Maybe it's to make the appointment with the counselor or the pastor. But ask God this week, how can I shine the light on this issue? What next step do you want me to take? finally, would you ask God, is there any part of my life where I am hiding? Hiding from you, God, hiding from others. Maybe there's something you need to confess. Maybe there's a place where you need to invite the light of Jesus to shine. Say, God, is there an area of my life where I'm hiding? God, we thank you for your light because it is your light that brings us redemption and salvation for our souls. We thank you for your light because it's where where your light shines, we experience connection and intimacy with others. Thank you for your light. And we thank you for your light because where your light shines, there is healing and hope. And we invite your light to shine in every shadow of our soul. We want to be a people who walk in the light as you are in the light. Thank you that we're not alone, that this is not self-help, but God, that you are the one who can redeem and transform and heal. We pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we close our service today? Just to remind you, our elders are out in the lobby in this room called Guest Central. I'd love for you to take a moment and stop by and speak with them. I also want to encourage you uh, at the end of our service, as soon as we say amen today, we've got our response pastors that are going to be down front. And if God has impressed an issue on your heart, my challenge for you would be don't leave without having somebody pray with you. Don't leave without having somebody go to God with you and ask for God's light to shine on your life. If something has come up, don't leave without praying with us. But I'd love to to give you a blessing as we close today. My friends, may you experience the redemption that Jesus alone can bring.
May you experience fellowship and closeness and intimacy in your families that Jesus alone can bring. May you experience the healing for the big issues in your life that Jesus alone can bring. And may you experience the light of God shining in every shadow of your life. Amen. Amen. Blessings, everybody. Have a great week.